Okay, welcome back or welcome to uh, this podcast. My name is Trevor Monroe, and we're going to talk about uh, that incredible victory over UW. Uh, the Buffs were able to pull a victory out of the hat uh, and overcome a lot of odds in that 2017 win. Uh, it was it was probably the most remarkable uh, victory formation I've ever seen uh, for the Buffs. Nate Lamon, uh, who was in street clothes throughout the game, uh, went to the locker room with a couple minutes left, came back out and uh, and spent the last uh, couple seconds in, in the victory formation. Um, Buffs did it with some turnovers and some gritty play. Uh, we'll get into that, some of the takeaways from the game. And we're going to look at this week's matchup against Utah and what uh, what the Buffs need to do to make it a game. Okay, let's dig in. All right, let's get into some key takeaways and observations from the win over Washington. Uh, it was a, a gritty win, maybe some would say an ugly win. Buffs won with help from four turnovers and a very timely and gritty 90-yard drive. Um, Looking at the stat sheet, it was an improbable, uh, not just victory, but uh, it was a wonder how CU even stayed in the game. Uh, they were outgained 426 yards to 183. Uh, UW had 22 first downs, CU only had nine, and UW played, uh, ran 84 plays compared to the Buffs' 52. So by all measures, uh, UW should have won the game, but there was one key. Uh, statistic where the buffs dominated we had four uh, turnovers benefited from four turnovers including two in the red zone including one that was a scoop and score and cu did not have a turnover for the sixth game this year so that's uh, very notable um for whatever reason the buffs uh defense just had a, a really difficult time on third down they were unable to, uh, despite getting Washington a lot of third and longs, uh, Washington was able to convert 14 times on third down. So 14 of their 22 first downs were third down conversions. A lot of those were third and long. Uh, some of that probably had to do with the the zone coverage and the youth. Uh, the Buffs seemed to be playing a soft zone and uh, UW was uh, exploiting, especially the middle of that zone. Uh, rather effectively, and uh, but the bus hung in there. Um, they they uh, managed to you know get the stops when they needed them, uh, including Nico Reed, um, who had a, a really clutch interception in the end zone to stop a UW drive, and. What was so impressive about those those stops? You know, UW came into the game as uh, number one in the nation, I think, in, in red zone conversions. They were perfect 31 from 31, uh, but the Buffs managed to stop them twice inside the red zone. Uh, Washington's uh, you know, pass defense is number two in the nation, so it wasn't a mystery that they were able to shut down the Buffs' passing game, which is not that prolific anyway. Uh, the Buffs, uh, Brennan Lewis was 14 for 25, only 140. 14 yards passing. But what was, uh, I guess, impressive from Washington's defense is they were able to stop the run and they were not very good going into the game against the run. They were up, you know, ranked somewhere in the hundreds out of 130 
30 teams in FBS, uh, but they did manage to, to hold the buffs to 67 yards uh, running. Um, unfortunately, the pass protection for the buffs was once again a problem. That graded out at 26. According to PFF, uh, anything below 50 is, is poor performance. Uh, and Brendan Lewis was pressured all day. He had 11 pressures and was sacked once. Um, B. Lou's average depth of target uh, was six yards, so throwing a lot of things short. And his time to throw was 3.01, uh, which needs, especially when, when you're under pressure, you need to probably get the ball under uh, 2.7, 2.8. So the buffs defensively, um, Again, it was it was really impressive, uh, except for third down. So there was this bend but but don't break, uh, soft zone, and you know, like I mentioned, some timely uh, turnovers helped them stop Buff uh, UW in the red zone. Uh, across the board, though, the defensive ratings uh, in Professional Football Focus were uh, at least above average for the first time all season. So they were up in the 70s across the board. It was great to see the transfers, Robert Barnes and Jack Lamb making an impact. Robert Barnes was all over the field. He had, uh, I think, seven tackles and uh, a fumble recovery and a, an incredibly athletic interception. So he really made uh, a difference in that game. Jack Lamb also made a huge difference. The 93-yard scoop and score um, showed off his athleticism and his speed. So great to see those guys coming in. Uh, there's some high, I guess, high expectations both for um, you know four and five stars in high school. Uh, didn't get a lot of playing time over the years. Uh, sorry, over the season, but they're filling in. Uh, pretty regularly in starting since uh, since Nate Lamon has been out. So it'll be great to see them come back and uh, hopefully they can finish strong next week and come back uh, 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 with momentum. Carson Wells is another defensive player, just played outstanding. Probably his last game at Folsom Field, and it was a dandy. He had two sacks, two QB hits, and six hurries. Uh, so Carson Wells, one of my favorite buffs. Good luck to him if he decides to move on to the NFL. Uh, but it would be great to have him back uh, if he changes mind. He does have one more year of eligibility. Other uh, defensive standouts: Nico Reed. He, you know, of course, had that interception in in the end zone. He also uh, was the Buffs' highest-rated defender at seventy-eight, according to PFF. Makai Blackman had a good game. He was injured late. Quinn Perry. Uh, had a really good game inside linebacker, as did Mark Perry. Uh, he graded out at 75, so good to see Mark have a have a nice game. Christian Gonzalez, the other cornerback, um, he was key in breaking up several of those screen screenplays on the flat, uh, fighting through blocks and and stopping those plays uh, for little or no gain. Um, another notable. Uh, statistic: The Buffs had eight freshmen on the field uh, on the defensive side alone. Uh, two of those freshmen, uh, Alvin Williams and Devin Grant, are outside linebackers, and they played quite a few snaps and put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I think we have a real bright future with both of those 
players in particular. Okay, so that uh, that I think is uh, is it for the takeaways. It was a an impressive gutty win. Uh, we we one of the keys to the game that I had going in was that was that drive, and we certainly got it. The late drive where it's a physical drive, we play with tempo, we wear the other team out. It came at the perfect time. The Buffs showed a lot of resilience uh, defensively. You know, they gave up uh, a lot of uh, first downs, but they held strong when they needed to at the end. Um, so it was, uh, it was, it was a fun game to watch. It was a frustrating game to watch, but I'm glad we came out on top. Okay, now let's turn our attention to the Utah Utes this week opponent. Uh, the game will be in Utah, and Utah is coming off a, a big win, 38-7 blowout over Oregon, which dashed Oregon's hopes of uh, any college football playoff. Uh, they come into the game with the Buffs as a 24-point favorite. Uh, Kyle Whittingham's teams, they're always uh, physical. They're strong in the trenches on both sides, and uh, – and there's a certain culture there, you know, you know, when you're playing Utah, the, you usually feel it the next day and then into the next week. Uh, what else can we say? They're the number one offense in the PAC 12. Uh, they're the number two defense. Uh, they put a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They have 34 sacks, which is top of PAC 12 and actually in the top 20 nationally. Offensively, uh, they are similar in style to UCLA, led by a powerful running attack, uh, which features three strong backs that can break tackle, uh, break tackles, make yards after contact. Number nine, Thomas, uh, gets most of the carries, and he is uh, he's really performing great, especially in the second half of the season. Cameron Rising is their quarterback. He's a dynamic player. He did not start the season, but when he came on for Charlie Brewer, uh, I'm not sure if that was the third or fourth game. Um, you know, it's been it's been uh, good news for Utah ever since. He's he's a dual threat. Uh, he can make passes. He's creative, um, and it's possible Utah would actually they might be the ones contending for the FBS playoff uh this year had he started every game uh but uh definitely uh, he will put utah in that picture next year um <clears throat> a couple of things I, I got from addicted to quack uh half a day who does some analysis but uh offensively uh they're somewhat predictable when they're under center they tend to run the ball 25 percent of the time uh when they're in shotgun they tend to uh, pass the ball 75% of the time. <laughs> so there's my tip for uh, Chris Wilson, def design your defense accordingly. Uh, let's see, Utah runs a, a defense, a 4-2-5 base. They, uh, they feature one of the top linebackers, uh, Devin Lloyd in uh in the conference and certainly in the country, he's likely to be a top round draft pick. 
Um, but a very aggressive defense, a balanced defense all the way around. They're pretty good at everything. We'll we'll get into some of the numbers here briefly. Uh, one weakness, if we look at some of the, the sites that do the advanced metrics, pass blocking uh, is one area where they're uh, below average. I think they're in the 50s. So anything below 50 is poor. Uh, 50 to 60, I think, is below average. So they're weak there. Uh, perhaps we can exploit that. Um, although they do a lot of rollout, and obviously Cameron Rising is is uh, very um, elusive in the pocket and can do a lot with his legs. So even that pass block is kind of mitigated by by their scheme and by the athleticism of the quarterback. All right, so uh, let's turn to some of the numbers. I'll post these in my my uh, site with the newsletter. Um, but Utah obviously has a decisive advantage. Uh, I think some of the sites uh, like FBS or FBI only give CU a 6% chance going into this game. Uh, FBS Power Rank has Utah as the 16th uh, highest ranked team in the country, whereas CU's 99. Um, Ed Fung and his power rank actually has the Utes even higher, number seven, and CU even lower, 107. So there's uh, an incredible gap. Um, when I look at some of the advanced metrics, metrics like success rate offensively, and success rate is basically, was that a, was that a good play? And it's based on uh, down and the amount of production. So on first down, anything five yards or more is considered a successful play. So the rate of success, you know, percentage-wise, uh, Utah ranks 10th in the country. So they they have a lot of successful plays on offense, whereas CU does not. We're 108. Um, yards per play on offense, again, Utah is close to the top. They're ranked number 12th in that metric where CU's 95. So uh, they average a lot of yards per play. I'm sure they also, you know, very explosive uh, as well. Um, on defense, the yards per play allowed, um, Utah is top 20. They're 15th in the country. Uh, CU is 76. And on the, let's see, I guess, yeah, Another advanced stat, the success rate on defense. So this is how often your defense prevents the other team from running a successful play. Uh, Utah's 24, CU's 88. Um, I think I think I'll leave it there, but uh, just suffice to say, uh, Utah is is a physical team. They've got a physical culture. They're efficient. They're productive. Um, in every dimension, I think it's probably uh, accurate to say uh, Utah is is a is a better team. Now they have come off a a big victory against Oregon, um, and this will be the last game for in several seniors uh, and juniors. Uh, so there's this possibility uh, that, you know, if, if CU can, can stay in the game, get great leadership from, I don't know, we'll see if Nate Lamon plays. 
uh, and great performances from some of those like Kobe Purcell, Carson Wells, um, some of the tight ends, Brady Russell, Matt Lynch, and others uh, that we could maybe catch Utah, you know, in between, um, you know, the Pac-12 championship and coming off this big time win over over Oregon. Uh, it's unlikely, but hey, we gotta we gotta reach for something. Okay, so that will be one of the things that we'll look at in the keys uh, for CU in the next segment. Okay, let's take a look at what CU can do this week to uh, stay in the game, to win the game. Yeah, I usually like to see CU uh, use tempo and physicality in the fourth quarter. Of course, I'd like to see it in this game, but unfortunately, this is one of those games, probably the only game on their schedule where we can't exploit the altitude advantage. This game will also be in Salt Lake at altitude. Uh, But there are a few things that at CU might try to do. Um, one is to exploit Utah's uh, weakness in pass protection. They they have uh, they're rated about 54, which is below average in pass protection. Also, Cameron Rising, their quarterback, his his passer rating drops a lot when he's under pressure. In a clean pocket, it's 113. It's only 41 when he's under pressure. So I think there's there's uh, there's a weak spot there that uh, CU's defense really needs to turn its attention toward, but they need to put pressure on Cameron in a smart way. Uh, Cameron's an athlete and he's able to use his legs to scramble and, and turn nothing into something if we don't be careful. So, uh, so that's one thing, put pressure on Cameron, uh, offensively, you know, we're, we need to use protection heavy schemes. We need to get the tight ends and the running backs involved in pass protection. We cannot rely on our offensive alone to slow down that, uh, that dangerous, uh, pass rush that Utah's defense has. I can keep in mind it's in top 20. Uh, another thing I'd like to see a lot more of this week. And, you know, this is the last week of the season. We've got to be careful. Brendan Lewis can't take, you know, too many hits, but a lot more, designed rollouts, designed runs, and run pass options. I recommend taking a look at Buff Stampede Film Room this week. Uh, they show some things that uh, we should probably do be doing more in this game where Bilu kind of puts some pressure on the defense with his with his run pass option and, and, and running game. Um, what else do I have? I mean, I guess this we, we obviously need to generate turnovers. Whatever we were doing, hopefully we can keep it going. Uh, whatever we're doing with with Washington, keep it going against Utah. But um, turnovers and and excellent special teams play, some big plays on special teams, um, kick returns, punt returns, punt blocks, whatever whatever we need. But we'll we'll need to benefit from uh, turnovers and big plays on special teams. And finally, uh, some trick plays. Let's empty the playbook. Let's get creative. Uh, Matt Lynch, who's our tight end, but he used to be a quarterback. You know, he's been involved with a few plays. Maybe, uh, maybe this game we'll see him open it up and get involved in some passing plays. All right, that's what I got for the keys against CU. I'll be back uh, with some final thoughts. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so in conclusion, uh, I want to make a, a couple of remarks, and one uh, uh, is about Utah as a program. They have been a model of stability, and I think um, sets a good example of how CU should go about developing uh, their program. Uh, Kyle Whittingham has been at Utah for 17 years. His defensive coordinator been there for 14 years. His offensive coordinator has been in his third year of his second stint at Utah. So that program has had leadership. They've been able to develop their culture, and it's paying dividends. They are they may finish in the top 10 this year, and they're still a young team. But I would really like to see CU stay the course. We're in the second year of Car Durrell's uh, regime. We probably need to fix a few things, make a, maybe a few tweaks personnel-wise. But I'd much prefer uh, kind of a steady evolution. You know, return our return our production, develop players in the conditioning system, get them through um, another year in the same system, and I'm confident that that's that's the route to success. Uh, rather than disruption. Okay,、uh, another point I'd like to make. This is the last game, last hurrah for some great、uh, buffs like Mustafa Johnson, like Nate Lamon. I hope he gets into the game.、Uh, Kobe Purcell,、uh, Matt Lynch, Brady Russell,、um, and even some juniors who may not return, like Carson Wells, may move on. But I hope these guys can have great games. I hope they can finish strong.、Uh, And、uh, make this, you know, keep the buffs in this one. Finally,、uh, you know, last Saturday was the final home game, and for me, it was just a、uh, uh, guilty pleasure to get back to Folsom to see some friends like Chris Lesky, his wife Jen, their family,、uh, to see friends like Don Cedarball、uh, and others、uh, like Derek, who.、Um, You know, I haven't seen in quite some time, and it was just great atmosphere, great culture to be、uh, around、uh, Folsom Field on a Saturday. Also, really grateful I was able to bring my wife and、uh, two of my boys out to experience that, to see Ralphie run, and and some victories、uh, as well. So、uh, that's it for me、um, for this week. You can、uh, get the show notes and link to my newsletter.、Uh, As well as follow me online at Trevmon28. Actually, you can do all that if you just follow me at Trevmon28 on Twitter.、Uh, and go Buffs this Friday. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I did this、uh, episode a bit early、uh, because of、uh, all the Thanksgiving activities, but looking forward to seeing、uh, family in town. Hope you do the same. Stay safe. Go Buffs. <laughs>